Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't, wherever you are listening or watching right now. Uh, Logan, so when Greg Roman got released from Baltimore, oh, you didn't I went even on the radio. It. You didn't even tease No, I'm just, just going straight in. Okay. I'm just going straight in. When Greg Roman got released from Baltimore, I did a quick refresh on his resume and I went, I don't understand why this guy's not the top candidate in Washington. Yeah. I think hearing more about Shermer, I would back off top candidate a little bit. Um, but mm. I do think he is someone who should be getting a serious look here. And I understand the concern that a lot of fans have. And it's hilarious because I put up you know, that take on YouTube and Ravens fans got a hold of it. And they were like, ah, you're an idiot. He sucks. We couldn't wait to get rid of him. And I'm like... Oh, your team that went to the playoffs every year that he was the offensive yeah. coordinator? Oh, and in Buffalo, he went to the playoffs uh, a couple of times. Uh, and, and in San Francisco, they went to the playoffs and went to a Super Bowl with him as an offensive coordinator. That guy, you can't get rid of him. Must be nice to be a Ravens fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, 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 what is the specific criticisms they levy against him? So, and, and then Washington fans would come in and say, well, he's terrible with wide receivers. Like, he, he's passing mm-hmm. concepts X, Y, Z because... Fair enough. If you look at the resume, the pass con or the passing stats are bad. Um, but yeah. he also doesn't have a lot of attempts. Um, yeah. And I think that what I see on that resume is a little bit different. What I see is a coach who has consistently played to his personnel strengths and mm-hmm. minimized his weaknesses. His the best receiver he's ever coached is either San Francisco Michael Crabtree. Mm-hmm. Buffalo had one year where Sammy Watkins actually stayed healthy and was a thousand yard receiver or Hollywood Brown in Baltimore, Terry McLaurin, the second he would play for Greg Roman would instantly become the best wide receiver he's ever had. Curtis Samuel might instantly become the second and Jahan Dotson, the third or flip those two if you want, uh, because Jahan looks like he might be a monster. Um, so I see a guy who's had, mediocre passers or developing passers in Lamar's case, like Lamar turned has turned into a pretty solid pocket guy, but certainly didn't come in that way as a rookie as most rookies don't. Um, and was an incredible runner. And the same thing with Kaepernick in San Francisco. And he had the, some of the most prolific rushing seasons in the, by quarterbacks in the history of the entire NFL. Uh, Lamar developed into an MVP under him. And by the way, I think this is another thing, and this is the last thing I'll say before asking you, like, what do you think of him as a candidate here? And based off looking at film and like kind of a, a, a more in-depth look at some of the details is 
His teams always win. And yes. I think that that is not something to be discounted. While we look at record a lot with head coach, we don't necessarily look at it with OC. Like he is someone who can clearly not get let his ego get in the way. Look at a, a team that has a great defense and be like, I'm going to help us win. And I'm going to play a style that helps us win. And just because he hasn't had a bunch of play action, explosive plays, or had a bunch of passing success in the past, I don't think necessarily means he can't. The personnel here would be different. And I do think there are is maybe a concern about whoever the quarterback coach would be and continuing to develop Sam Howell. That said, he's developed quarterbacks, he's won football games, and he plays a style that fits with Ron Rivera. I don't get why he wouldn't be a prime candidate here in Washington. Yeah, I mean, I think he'd, I think he'd be a great fit. I, you know, when I watched, I watched three or four games last night of the Baltimore Ravens this year, and uh, I do think that he has some very innovative stuff that he does from a pass game standpoint. Um, I do think he's very limited by the passers. You know, he had to win a whole bunch of games with Huntley this year, which isn't exactly an ideal situation. Uh, and Lamar, for all of his growth as a passer, I don't think is – he's not Tom Brady in terms of working through progressions and, and kind of managing sure. reads and things like that. So I do think that does limit the passing game efficiency. I also think this brings up like kind of a, a philosophical football point with, when it comes to people who abide by this kind of run first approach, because Greg Roman is an offensive line coach. And you can tell the way that the O-line is coached, the detail with which they execute the run game is very, very high. They do a lot of different stuff in the run game, which is cool to see outside zone gap runs, um, you know, RPO type stuff. So a lot of stuff uh, at the at the disposal of the coordinator from a run game standpoint. But Anytime you're a run-first team, you are susceptible to kind of falling into these very particular patterns. And if I was a fan of the Ravens, I think that would be my kind of thought, much like here in Washington. So Greg Roman's probably going to run the ball on first down. If you get to second and 10, second and eight, um, second and seven, anything like that, any kind of longer down and distance, you're not equipped really to throw the football the way people think. And that's not necessarily an indictment of the skill position players. That's more an indictment of the passer and the offensive line, right? Much like here in, here in Washington. So you're going to run the ball again, and you're probably going to get to third and six. And then you have to kind of get into this kind of creative drop back, five-step, seven-step passing attack where you're not good and you look really unpolished. Right. And I think that to me is is maybe the criticism that I would levy against any team that's run first. You see the same thing with Tennessee. You see the same thing with Cleveland to a certain extent is you you get in these patterns of like, well, I, I just ran the ball. I probably should throw it on second down or I probably should throw it on first down, run it on second down. But that's not what you want to major in. And he, his play action passing attack that he developed, I thought was really nice. You know, he's they're throwing the ball to tight ends, which I think is fine you know you're throwing the ball to tight ends you're, you're scheming stuff up and biased yeah it is biased but um you know i and i think that's another thing that limited their offense there is they're trying to do so much stuff through um mark andrews there it's it's like that is your number one receiver and while i think mark andrews is an extremely good football player it's not like he's travis kelsey and it's not like in, in kansas city where you've got travis kelsey kind of supplemented with all these really dynamic pieces. It's like you got Mark Andrews, then you got Isaiah Likely, who's a rookie tight end out of Coastal Carolina, who's kind of your number two. And it just there there wasn't a lot of Yeah. Like Devin Duvernay lot. might turn into a decent receiver, but like right. he's he'd be the fourth receiver here. Correct. That's and again, I, the top three here are ridiculous, but he'd be the fourth guy. 
And so I think that that's part of the reason why the offense feels the way it feels in Baltimore, right? Why they have a hard time pulling away from people and why, you know, it's just, it's kind of a, it's a messy run first deal. And again, you do that because it limits the variance. They're a defensive led team. You understand why they do that. And I do think that that's kind of what Ron wants to bring here. And I do think that there is value there because it details the run game in a way that is it really advantageous? But I do think you get into kind of this stagnant um, kind of repetitive mode with coordinators like that, which is one of the reasons why a guy like Studsville, I think, is really interesting because he has been in a run-first system that doesn't always run first. They want to get their 50-50 run pass, but they're going to th- do a play-action pass on first down. They're going to drop back on first down so that they can set up longer drives and get more touches to the running back. And I think that is the thing that I find um, really kind of maybe an indictment of Greg Roman is that he's a little bit more traditional in that approach, right? And I think when you look at the good teams right now that are running the football a lot, you kind of say, even Atlanta does this. You know, you don't know what they're going to do on first down, even with a quarterback who's not very good, because they understand that they understand the percentages on first down versus second down with regards to running the football. And I think that would be my one kind of observational note on Greg Roman. And I think that um, I think he's very talented. I think he's a brilliant guy. Like when you look at what they're doing, it's really good stuff. But they, they lack an execution because he doesn't have great passers in there all the time. They're great, like um, I don't say great passers, but guys who process the offense in a traditional way. You know, they kind of I'm throwing the ball here. This is where it's going. And I'm talented enough to make that happen. Um, and that was the same thing with him in, in San Francisco. He had one of the best offensive lines in football. Best, uh, you know, obviously Vernon Davis was exceptional there. And then Colin Kaepernick was a beast. And then when Colin Ka- Kaepernick kind of said, I don't want to run the football anymore, the offense became very, very stagnant. And again, I don't think that's an indictment of Roman. I think that's more of like the change in circumstance there. So I do think he's a great candidate. I understand why fans would be frustrated with him because it does seem a little monotonous, but I do think he is, um, he's very talented. Yeah, he's very talented. Um, his teams have actually been fairly productive from a points production standpoint yeah. too, and that's something else that I think is interesting. Like his teams always finish better in points than they do in yards, with the exception of one year in his career. Uh, sorry, two years in his career. Like in San Francisco, they finished twenty sixth in yards and eleventh in points. Uh, then they're eleventh, eleventh, twenty fourth, eleventh, twentieth, twenty fifth. Goes to Buffalo, 13th, 12th, and like resurgence of Shady McCoy, by the way. Yeah. Um, so what he can do for running backs is remarkable. 16th, 10th. His first year in Baltimore, they were ridiculous. They were second in yards, first in points. Um, and then it's been a little bit more hit or miss since then. They were 19th in yards in 2020, 7th in points. And the last two years, as Lamar's been hurt, um, they've been bottom half of the league, barely, the 17th and 19th in points. Um, but other than that, and that one year, his last year in San Francisco, he's always had a top half offense and point production. And, you know, I, I'm pretty sure the stat that I'm looking at in pro football reference is like offensive points. Um, you know, he's always had good defenses too. And some of those defenses have scored a lot. So if they're doing average points, points per game then maybe it's a little bit inflated um but like point differential he's again always been good and if ron wants to play that time of possession game it seems like a, a good thing yeah. um but it is i i just was maybe yeah i did i come on too strong initially uh looking at some of those things and maybe not knowing enough about Shermer. um yeah but i also think that if you're immediately dismissing him as a candidate um, that's that's silly because I think he could be very successful here um, within the context of 
of what Ron wants to do. I would also say this though. I think it's much more likely that Greg Roman turns Washington down than, than uh, right. Washington turns Greg Roman down. Yeah, I agree. I think he's got, he, you know, his pedigree is a lot. And I think, you know, I'd be interested if he just kind of takes a year just to kind of figure it out a little bit, just chill. Um, but he's still I, living I do, in Baltimore. Ron should have him come to a couple of practices and uh, <laughs> just to check on it out. Yeah. The, uh, I think that's the thing though. It's like, he's, um, it seems to fit what Ron like wants to do and what, what Ron wants to be. And I know that's not exciting football in, in this era of throw the ball over the yard or watching, you know, the Bengals last night, we watched the Buffalo bills throughout the season, not last night or whatever it was, but um, these offenses are kind of high flying. But if you look last year specifically, obviously teams are transitioning more when they don't have that elite quarterback, they're transitioning more to this run first lean heavily on the defensive approach. I mean, that's what the giants did this year. They just they got a good solid offensive coordinator who I think is was very innovative in terms of elevating Daniel Jones, but they basically leaned on the defense and said we want very very high variance from our defense and we want very very low variance from our offense and we want the defense to make plays and so that's what Greg Roman would give you is that is he has been on defensive led football teams for a reason like the San Francisco teams he was on, those were the best defenses I played against in my career. They were fantastic. They were and, ridiculous. And so it allows you to kind of lean into this run-first approach. Same thing with Baltimore. I mean, look at the playoff game they had against Cincinnati. Say what you want about the the, the sneak. They were in that game with a team that just took the Bills out back and beat, the, beat them up bad, right? Yeah. And that just speaks to the type of team that Baltimore is and what this does for you is it keeps you in games with better football teams if you have the defense to do it. And I, and I have a lot of – I think there's a lot of merit to that. There's 11 teams now that kind of abide by this run first, run second approach and lean on the defense. And I and if you're Ron, like he's and, – and, and you want to run the ball as much as you, you say you want to run it, he seems like a very, very strong candidate for that role. Yeah, uh, I would say this. If – you unless you have a massive offensive line upgrade which they're going to the question is like will it work right yeah. so they're they're going to upgrade they're going to spend there the question is how how effective will they be in their choices and unless you have much better quarterback play you're going to have to play that way i know the receivers are tantalizing and they should try to get them the ball more but the way in which you do it not just dropping back and like I thought it was really interesting, just a quick sidebar, uh, and then we'll get to the Chris Harris stuff, but like listening to Romo talk during the game yesterday about what they're doing with Burrow, mm. I had not heard it quite put this way before, which is probably not just me not watching a ton of Cincinnati this year because I'm busy watching Washington um, and like watching full broadcasts. Like occasionally you go back and watch the condensed games and like all sure. the good conversation between plays gets cut out. Um, but he's basically said like they're doing what they used to do with Peyton Manning with Burrow where like they understand what the other team is is going to do from a coverage standpoint like oh this is a cover 3 team okay well i'm going to give burrow three plays and he's going to go to the line of scrimmage and then he's going to call one of them is that and what they're doing is that yeah. is that like wow yeah. yeah and so the you know like trying to recreate what they're doing in cincinnati requires having joe burrow you know, right. trying to recreate what they do in, in Kansas City requires having Patrick Mahomes. It's a lot easier to recreate what the Giants just did, what a lot of these other teams, what right. San Francisco is doing even. I know Kyle's in, like Kyle's one of one, but a lot of the stuff he does is not so far out of the realm of possibility for other coaches to recreate. It just requires a level of discipline and detail that most people don't have that Kyle has to an extreme. And so, like, if you want a, a formula, like, you'd much rather try to recreate what they're doing with Brock Purdy than what 
Cincinnati is doing with Joe Burrow because Burrow can handle a mental load that almost no one else in the league can. Mahomes right. can can do that. You know, Mahomes is playing on one leg on on Saturday, and he's still. I mean, Romo said this during the broadcast too. He's like Mahomes. Even if you lose the mobility, is still probably the best pos- pocket passer in the league. Mm. So like you're still talking about just going from Patrick Mahomes to you know what Tom Brady used to be, and so I, you know when you look at like formulas and all those kinds of things trying to be unpredictable on first down, but a run first team like San Francisco, that seems like a much more repeatable formula for success. And they still get big explosive plays, you know, like Washington should with these receivers. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And I also think it's important. Like we give Kyle a lot of credit. That is the San Francisco has the number one rated defense in the NFL. I mean, they won a game scoring, I think it was 14 points. What was the final score? 12 to 14. Uh, I think it was 19, 12 was the final 19, 12, 19 points. Are you kidding me against the Dallas Cowboys? Like that to me is, is again, more, it allows you to play a style of football that is more conservative offensively. You don't have to leverage your play caller if your defense is playing well. You don't have to kind of every, you don't have to get a first down every six plays. You don't have to do that anymore if your defense is playing that way. So I think that's so important to understand when looking at this offensive talk, right? If you have a good defense, you want a coordinator to kind of understand the relationship between the two sides of the football and call the game accordingly. It's not like it's not like in Madden where, where you got the sticks in your hand and you're saying, I have to score on this drive. If you're if you're that good on defense, I can be more conservative. I can kind of bide my time. And I look at these teams again that are are, are kind of this uh, we're, we're, this is a kind of a catch-all term that's not overly descriptive but this run first approach they understand this relationship really really well and they understand that I don't need to and that's honestly like everyone says oh like the team started winning games when they started running the football more the commanders but a big part of that is they just didn't they, they weren't screwing the defense on a down-to-down basis. Yeah. They weren't going three and out. They weren't forcing them to be out there for a long periods of time and see more of these high-fluting offenses. I mean, and I think that's something to understand here. Like, as much as we want a, a, an amazing signal caller that's going to be at the cutting edge of something, you need someone who understands where they fit and where and when to take these shots and kind of capitalize on these opportunities. And I think, you know, I know um, Greg Roman's not, like, in the list, but, like, a guy like that, Shermer, Studs, but like they all kind of get it. And I think that that's something that, again, is very encouraging to me. And some some ways, like bringing in a young guy is kind of going back to one of the things I think Scott struggled with. And Scott, I think, was always trying to show show that he could go win the game when he didn't have to, when his right. role was more managing the quarterback and managing the play caller, managing the offensive line. So as much as fans want, oh, these big names, we want to push the football down the field, get the receivers involved – I don't think this team will ever look like that as long as we don't have a Joe Burrow at the quarterback position, which I think is kind of the the crux of your point. Right. You need to make sure that you you can manage the variables you can manage with the people that you have. And I think that's that to me is what I wish that fans would kind of embrace here is yeah. you want someone who's cons- conservative is kind of a bad word, but that's kind of what you're looking for. From well, the play it's controlled team. aggression. Right. Uh, right. Because you can take shots off of like the whole thing. And and I've learned this from you at a really high level doing this podcast over the last, whatever it's been 10 months, like the neural load of a quarterback is so important and you can still pass the ball 30 times in a game while having five to eight dropbacks. Like 
You can play action. You can boot. You can throw screens. Like You can do things that don't require the quarterback to actually do a lot. He's just a vehicle for the football to get from point A to point B as opposed to a decision-making, dynamic football player. Like Joe Burrow gets to the line of scrimmage basically every play, looks at the defense, and is like, they're in an overfront. It's first and 10. All right, we're calling this. And like right. calls a, their run play at the line of scrimmage that's designed to beat an overfront. Like you can't you can't do that unless you're Joe Burrow. Um yeah. or unless you run to the line of scrimmage like they used to do with Jared Goff in LA and Sean is like okay, I see the defense, let's call this. Like that's what it takes to do that and it's really hard and it's also, you know, there's some there's some downsides to that um beyond just the trust level of the quarterback to do it correctly on a regular basis so um you can do more of what kyle does with brock purdy where a lot of it is predetermined or like even last night like some of these big third downs kyle mm. does a really good job with play design and it's a one-man show like yeah. there's a third down late where mccaffrey runs a choice route on that long long drive they have in the fourth quarter mm -hmm. that's a one-man show because if purdy was reading it out um donovan wilson their safety the cowboy safety fell covering george kittle he would have thrown to kittle and kittle would have probably had a 20-yard gain instead he's reading mccaffrey and only mccaffrey and mccaffrey wins he throws on the ball as soon as he wins he like anticipates the win and they get the first down it's like third and three they pick up five yards and they keep on chopping away the Trucking, clock yeah and so like there's a ton of that in their offense it's just like we're gonna get george kittle or christian mccaffrey or brandon Ayuk in a one-man show like right. matchup against man-to-man -man, or we're gonna isolate them in a zone against a player so it becomes de facto man-to-man -man. and brock Purdy's just got to make a throw that he's been making his entire life right and so doing things like that for a sam howell is going to be great and play action and, and all that kind of stuff to build in more protection. That's why the play action is so important because when your line is not necessarily, or your line is not having to just, you know, pass set all the time and try to take on good pass rushers and stunts and all this kind of stuff, um, it slows them down and, and creates kind of a different pocket. Like that's the kind of stuff that I'm looking for in an OC for Washington at this time. And that can still lead to the ball getting to Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, and Jahan Dotson a lot. It's just not in a drop back passing game like you do if they played in Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean I think if you look at look at Sam Howell's last game against Dallas, it was very yeah. simple. Like we're reading one dude. He threw a choice to Jahan. I'm reading Jahan. Throw yeah. to go to Terry. I'm reading Terry. It's not even like there's a levels throw. It's like I'm throwing the go. I'm yeah. Is it go or is it my throwing his back shoulder? Yeah. I'm throwing the I'm throwing the choice. And so that's kind of the stuff we're talking about with like this neural load stuff. And so getting a coordinator who understands that, um, understands that elevate, but all, and again, understands their relationship to the defense, I think is extremely important. So, um, you know, I, I think fans are, are looking at this as a kind of a way to change the organization. I think the bigger changes to the organization, honestly, are going to come with the offensive line acquisitions for this offseason. Like those decisions to me are almost just as important as the coordinator and that's and it's like oh that's crazy logan what are you talking about look at teams with good offensive lines look at san francisco look at kansas still City. Playing. look at look at philadelphia right like they it's there's a reason that o-line position is so important now if you like listen to guys at pff and stuff that they say that is it's becoming devalued but to me if you want to run the football i can find two molly whopping offensive linemen as opposed to finding the quarterback of the future and so I think that's where you got to kind of walk this line. And, and those those decisions, the two guys they bring in, whoever they are, 
and the decision they make about Chris Paul and where Sam's going to play on the offensive line. If I'm the coordinator, like those things are so critical for the development of this team, this organization, because it helps me develop Sam. And we everyone talks about, you know, how 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 the team ran the football really well. How efficient were they running the football? Not very efficient in terms of yards per carry. A lot right. of it's because B Rob's a beast. Imagine if you get B Rob into this into the second level of the defense, and that is directly correlated to the offensive line and how good that group is. So to me, that the, that is the biggest thing. And, and it's not like, you know, Norwell didn't play badly this year. I think I just read something. He graded better than Brandon Sheriff this year by PFF's metric, which is pretty wild. Because, yeah, But he didn't like play. seems nuts. He didn't play badly. Is what, I guess my point is he didn't play bad, but he didn't play great. And so can you upgrade? Can you go from average to good and on two spots on the offensive line? I think that's really really interesting and 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 more significant for this offense because it allows you to throw the football better it allows you to get the ball to those playmakers it allows your running backs to play better and allows the young quarterback to play better so as much as we're talking about this coordinator i think they've got some excellent candidates and guys that i think yeah hire hire studsville hire Shermer. great let's get on with it i think both those guys would do a great job now the personnel thing offensively i think is is exceptionally critical yeah, we will definitely uh, be talking about that a lot more moving forward, taking a look at the free agent market and some of the draft stuff, which we'll be getting into probably honestly starting next week as the senior bowls right around the corner.